Welcome to Joy Field and Jesus Led. I'm your host, Tony Daniels, sharing real life stories and practical tools that not only let you know you're not alone, but also help you become the emotional, spiritual ninja warrior you were created to be. We're in a series on resourcing the relational revolution, where you're hearing from different people and organizations that have been fueling the value shifts that are helping people rediscover church as healthy heart-to-heart connection with themselves, each other, and God together. Today, I get to introduce you to John White, my friend, colleague, and mentor. He's also the co-founder of Luke 10, host of the Stories of the Revolution podcast, and co-author with Kent Smith and myself of Joy Fueled and Relational Revolution coming soon. In this episode, John and I sense God's heart for us hearing that as we embrace Hesed community together, that loving community that sticks together no matter what, we create a spacious place for many to grow in their emotional and spiritual capacity. Listen in as we also share how Luke 10 is sourcing the relational revolution by merging soul care and mission into a church expression that produces spontaneous, sustainable transformation. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Tony here. And today we are continuing the conversation about resourcing the relational revolution. And I happen to have with me John White, founder of Luke 10 and uh, my colleague and my friend and my mentor. So it's a pleasure to have you today, John. Thanks for coming. Thank you, Tony. We get to do this multiple times every week. So this just feels normal. Thanks for inviting me on. I know, I know. I'm so glad that um, that people get to hear from you that are listening to my podcast now. This is super fun. So um, I mentioned to John that last year I did a series on what is the relational revolution and what are its key components. So if you haven't yet heard that, you might want to go back and listen to that one if you're wondering what, what relational revolution are they talking about? And then I also did a series on uh, how to facilitate a relational revolution. And um, that in that we I broke down uh, four S's of a effective facilitator that we use in Luke 10 as we train facilitators. And this series is resourcing the relational revolution. And um, but before we jump into Luke 10 and its contribution to this revolution, um, as always, I'm going to ask us to check in with each other. And then listen, because as I've said before on this podcast, we have ideas that we want to talk about, but Jesus usually has an idea that that just takes it in a totally different turn. So we want to give him a chance to weigh in today together as we do that. So you want to start by checking in? Sounds good. Yeah. Let me start. You start. I can start. Um, I am. I'm super thankful. What else? A lot of thankfulness in there. I think that's a lot. I, I mean, it's really mostly thankfulness today. It's super fun. I have been recalibrating a little bit um, the last few days, figuring out where my energy is and um, what I need to do to uh, make sure I'm not over involved or running too fast. John, you always tell me, um, 
you know, Tony, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. <laughs> and I am a sprinter. I'm a sprinter. So for me to uh, slow down and make sure that I have what I need to run the long haul, um, that is, as you know, my learning edge, my growing edge. And um, so I'm leaning into that a little bit this weekend and asking myself what I need and got a lot of that this morning. So I feel um, even though there's a lot of to do's that are just not getting done, um, I feel rested and thankful, thankful for you, thankful for Kent, thankful for my husband, all my mentors in my life um, that make sure I don't burn myself out in the process of um, everything I do. So thankful for our conversation today. And then I get to interview you and talk with you. It's always fun. And yes, we do it three times a week at least, but I think I'm in. Thanks. Thank you. Let's see. I'm going to go with uh, tender, <clears throat> thankful, and deeply moved. Mm. So uh, as you know, I'm down here in Naples, Florida, and <clears throat> my mother lives down here who just turned 100 the day after Christmas. And um, I, I'm tender for what life is like for her. Um, she's she's mentally very sharp, but just physically very frail. Part of what I do, I try to get over to the house a couple, three times a week, and we go for a walk on her walker. So she made it a block yesterday. But she has such a great spirit, and is so supportive and excited about Luke 10. It's just mm -hmm. a delight be with her but it's you know it's just life is difficult at at 100 and so i'm very tender for for what that's like for her and then uh, deeply moved um i got to see uh, you know in my position in luke 10 i sometimes get to see recordings of intro calls people that are starting into church 101 and i saw one i don't know a week or two ago which really moved me so this is a guy who started a church about 15 years ago and and it's grown they've, they've got a network now of like three churches in this state and then like a hundred around the world so amazing stuff's going on but he's going through the intro call and talking about, about how did he get to luke 10 and he said that he was listening to my podcast right mm -hmm. you got podcasts i got podcasts stories and revolution and somebody out of the blue, a friend of his, sent him a couple of episodes of Stories in the Revolution. And he said, when I heard what John said, I burst into tears. Mm. And I thought to myself, I'm not crazy after all. I've been, I've been leading, starting this church, leading this network, having no idea what I'm doing. Mm. And to find out some other people are doing the same thing. And I've really thought about it and really, you know, have some practical kind of stuff. Uh, you know, he he was deeply, and I was deeply moved by his uh, his story. And I, in fact, I want to reach out to him maybe this week and meet him. But I, that was just that made my week to, to hear that makes makes podcasts work worthwhile, right? So, yeah, I'm, it does, it does. And I mean, honestly, it's amazing you started a podcast. <laughs> I just I have to say. <laughs> And you do it all by yourself. You don't have like a PR person or a secretary like you upload those things yourself. It's incredible. I'm so impressed. I'm impressed too. <laughs> so thank you so much for doing that. Um, 
That is, yeah, it's been a huge contribution to the relational revolution alone, that podcast. So stories from the revolution. If you haven't looked up that podcast, I highly recommend it. It is um, soothing for the soul, I think, and challenging and exciting all at the same time. All right. Well, shall we listen? Um, how about two minutes, three minutes? What are you up for today? Just listen to how God feels about being with us in this in this moment today and anything he might want us to know about this uh, podcast. And of course, I'll mute my camera and my mic, but when this goes live, I'll shorten it so our audience doesn't have to wait for three minutes to get back <laughs> to us. Three, two, what do you want? What are you up for? Oh, yeah, I always do what you tell me to do. So whatever. Don't even act like that. You know, people think that happens all the time. So do don't encourage it by by acting like that's true. <laughs> you give you me enough what for and challenge me all the time. <laughs> but we have fun. It's true. We do. We do. Three. Three minutes. You got three it. minutes. All right. We'll be back in three. All right. We can bring it on back. Do you want to share first or do you want me to share? Sure. Um, what came to mind were the two parables of the talents and, you know, the master goes away, gives an assignment to the servants and goes away, comes back. And to those who are faithful, he says, well done, good and faithful servant, like way to go. And I felt the Lord saying that to you, Tony, to, to embarrass you, that, uh, that he is just so, pleased and it's such a well done um i mean for lots of areas but i'm thinking of luke 10 um you are are such a an excellent trainer and what you've done with facilitators with trainers um and then you are also a great systematizer so you've taken some of the basic ideas and created this whole learning pathway which i think is just brilliant and there, there are hundreds of people that have benefited from that. Mm. And, and I think it's something that's expandable. And, and so I, I think it's, you know, the, the sky's the limit of what's going to happen. But I just felt the Lord's pleasure for who you are and what you've done. So are you embarrassed yet? Thank are you. you. Yeah, I'm, I'm blushing and I'm rolling my eyes at John, but thank you. <laughs> I will let that in and try to receive. Thank you. <laughs> Anything else? Or is <laughs> Is that enough? <laughs> That's what I heard. That was the main, just, just the Lord's pleasure in who you are and what you've done. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I was, I, I, I sense, and again, you know, we don't know if this is God or if this is my own heart, my own imagination, but we tend to do this so much that God confirms what he's saying in other people. And so you kind of go, yeah, or you realize that God's heart is so close to mine that or or he's in his, he's inside of mine <laughs> that even paying attention to my own heart um sometimes it really is his voice too so again for what it's worth i felt i felt like he was saying um and, and i could see him with us um in my uh kind of imaginative space um and i i sensed him tender to be with both of us um there was a tenderness about him and an excitement and so i was paying attention to him and i was asking what what is that about? Like, why are you tender and why are you excited? And, and I sensed a tenderness because, um, almost like 
thinking back before we even met. Um, he's looking at you and he's looking at me. Kent Smith's going to be thrown in there too because Kent Smith is who who we work with regularly, all three of us. Um, but almost like he's sitting there going, you know, you're both pretty pretty high impact leaders, but you got some rough edges, and the. <laughs> And um, you really need to mature. Like there are some places and and even in your attachment, like you need to grow a healthy, secure attachment, meaning um, a stable connection with another human, right? Without kind of um, dissociating or withdrawing or fighting all the time. Like you need to learn to, to have this healthy relationship. And um, so, you know what? I'm going to like put you two together and throw Kent in there to help mediate. <laughs> And, um, and we're going to see what happens. And so this tenderness, it felt like, um, a tenderness for our, uh, weak points or the, the places in our own personalities that we knew about, right. That we were like scared that other people would find out about cause they'd reject us if they really knew, um, <laughs> we were. <laughs> and, um, and then his excitement about, yeah, eight years in, and you three have really pressed in. You really have been faithful. You really have shared your heart with each other, hurt each other deeply, walked through that. You've grown, you've matured. Um, and I'm excited about what that means for this whole organization. Um, and I just sensed him saying, you are creating a spacious place for many to grow in their capacity as well. So that felt, um, yeah, it felt beautiful, felt really beautiful um, and honoring because we have put a lot of work into this. We have. <laughs> this relationship that we all have. Um, and I, and then I was like, well, is there anything you want us to know about today? You know, like, what do we need to talk about? What do you want us to know? And I just sensed him say, I love that you two get to be you. So just be you <laughs> and do what you do. And I was like, okay. So we're going to be us, John. Uh, you have full permission to be you. I like whatever, that statement. Whatever that, that looks like. Be yourself because everybody else is already taken. That's right. Something very profound about that. Ooh, and I think that's something that that we're learning, you know, that it's okay for us to be us. Obviously, we're trying to be us in a more um, lovable way and more mature way. But um, there are certain facets of us that won't change um, as we're we're more us. Well, I think I just to add to that, Tony, I think what we've learned, and I, I agree with everything you've said, is we've learned little by little that we have tools mm -hmm. for um, handling when, when there are ruptures or disagreements, some more difficult than others. We have way brain skills, maybe relational brain skills for working through that. So I think that gives a lot of confidence and security. Yeah. And I, I think valuing um, the differences. Um, I know for us, Enneagram has been crucial. <laughs> Great tool. Yeah. Because it helps me understand you and appreciate you. When normally in the past, if someone reacted like you do sometimes to me, I would be offended and hurt and angry and upset. And now I can go, no, that's his strength. And he's not trying to harm me. He's trying to protect me, right? Like I can reframe it and feel, you know, differently because of the, of that. So I think that's been super so, helpful. So let's give them one example of how the Enneagram works. I'll start it out and you can tell from your, you're, you're a three and I'm an eight. So an eight always is going to challenge things and always looking for new things. And so um, 
Tony's got some something that's already done and it's it's coming to conclusion. And I come up with some totally new thing and and spring it on her. And I'm excited about that. And what does that do to you when I when I do that? <laughs> oh my goodness. It just it happened last week. Kent Smith did it though. I totally did not expect Kent Smith to do it. <laughs> but he threw a new subtitle in when yeah. we've already submitted our book for publication. <laughs> I flood immediately. I flood with anger, um, with frustration. And I've learned enough about myself now to, to realize that it's an energy issue, um, that I invest so much energy on the front end that when I, and I want to bring things to closure. So that's just what I'm drawn to do. Whereas you guys love to keep things open. Well, Kent more than you, but, but just to keep exploring and keep pushing forward and keep... <laughs> And I don't have the energy to keep doing that. Um, so yes, so a lot of times I'll I'll say, John, how important is that for you? Because I'll go there if it's important, but if it's not, then please save me the energy because I don't have the energy. <laughs> and I'm learning to ask, you know, are you at a place where you can entertain a new idea? And if not, that's okay. Because I will just get excited about something and, you know, bull ahead with it. So I'm I'm learning a little bit at a time. Yeah. And I don't, I just don't take it personally. And I think I used, I, and well, I still do. I mean, I try not to, but my natural inclination is to take it personally, which is so fascinating to me, like, cause it's not personal. Right. But that's just the way I would take it in, which is why I would get so angry and hurt. And now at least I can look at that and know what I'm doing and go, isn't that interesting, Tony, that secure attachment there. Let's work on that. <laughs> so we have definitely been in a crucible for our own growth. Um, in every way. And I love that about you and Kent and I, um, when there is a rupture, we always come to the table pointing out where we were wrong or what we could have done better. And, um, and that really is, is I think key to how we get through it um, beautifully. So thank you. That was just an extra bonus. <laughs> no extra church. So we're actually releasing a book in probably four to six weeks um, that's called Relational Revolution, Five Shifts for Rediscovering Church as Healthy Heart-to-Heart -heart Connection. Before we jump into Luke 10 and how we uh, uniquely contribute to the Relational Revolution, I just want to give you a chance. Is there anything you want to say about the book at all? Anything at all? How long is this podcast? No, just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, I am really excited about this. First of all, it's it's grown out of, as Tony's been saying, our relationship with the three of us. And so it is in itself one of the four values, an ecosystem of grace. Mm -hmm. so each of us, we, we have such different styles, such different ways of approaching things. And it's really sort of the iron sharpens iron. And, and so it ha it's not an easy way to write a book with three different strong-willed people. It's not an easy way to do it. But I think it's so much better of a book because of that. Um, I think the topic is, is absolutely critical. I, I'm so excited about the potential of what this is about because it's not like we have this idea of something you know we're going to see happen. We think this is already happening. We're sort of reporting on what we're already seeing, and uh, and I'm I'm so excited that we get to put this out and it'll be part of the conversation. So that's part that's, of it. I can go on, but I'll stop that's there. That's awesome. That's super. Yeah, it is. Thank you. I agree with all of that. Um, it's been a joy, a pleasure, an irritation. Um <laughs> annoyance. I like I like annoyance. That's a good word. An annoyance. Um, so much harder than doing it alone. Um, but the 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 
my mantra for me has been, you know, it's, it's better together. It's better together. Um, and it really is, it really is better together, but no one likes to have to be better. No one likes to have to sharpen themselves or re edit, edit something again and again and again to make it as good as you can make it. But um, we our, finish this book and get it published. <laughs> but our readers are probably going to be really happy <laughs> that we've done that much work on editing and re-editing. Um, we mentioned, like you just did, that this movement that we're seeing, this relational revolution or relational reformation, as some people are calling it, um, really, God has just been on the move. I mean, he for, for the last 30, 40 more years, calling people to himself in a, in a we say a new way, but not a new way at all. It's, it's a very ancient way. Um, but new for most Christians today. And there's certain move, certain movements have risen up with Luke 10, as we've all been growing together that have sourced or resourced this, this relational movement. And Luke 10 is one of those. Um, so I would love to hear from you um, a little bit about Luke 10, because you're one of the founders, you and, and Dr. Kent Smith um, are the two founders. So a little bit about Luke 10, um, and then maybe some of the things that for you, um, seem to be the unique contribution that it's making, that you see it making in this um, revolution we find ourselves in. Yeah. I think maybe, and, and you have to help me with questions that would be helpful, but I think what I want to do is kind of go back to the beginning with Luke 10. Uh, when Kent and I started, about all we had was the name. I mean, we really didn't have much else. And Luke chapter 10, because- and What year was this? Oh, this is about 15 years ago. So this is like okay. the beginning of 08. And we were just, I was, I think Kent was too, deeply impacted by the idea of, of the Great Commission, go to make disciples. But the thought of, what if we started with how Jesus made disciples? And what if the clearest picture of that takes place in Luke chapter 10, where Jesus is sending these guys out two by two <clears throat> to find a house of peace, and in my language, impart the virus of the kingdom there in these 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 houses. Um, what if what if that's the process of making disciples that Jesus used, which I think it think it was. So as we got started, we found ourselves asking really two questions. Um, the first question was: So Jesus, um, how do we do church in such a way that sustainable transformation takes place? Um, I mean, I've been a pastor for 25 years. I knew how to, I knew how to do church, right? But uh, so often it's just, it was just going to a meeting and doing a program. So how do we do it so that lives are really changed and it's sustainable? How does that work? And we didn't have the answer to that. <clears throat> it was just the question. And the second question is, how do we do church in such a way that it could result in viral multiplication? I knew about programmatic top-down multiplication, but how could this become like a benevolent virus that just spreads from person to person in a very organic way? And so that was where we were at the very beginning with those questions. And then little by little, the Lord began to answer those questions. And out of that, eventually grew Church 101 and all the different parts of that. So I'll just I'll stop there. That was kind of the beginning place. Yeah. So, um, but Church 101 isn't really a program or a model for church planting necessarily. So tell me about that because this isn't program driven. Um, what is this? What is Church 101, if you right. had to say? So what began to emerge as we listened to the Lord was that his desire <clears throat> was that we would learn how to do two things. And 
Luke 10 is so simple. There are really only two things at the core. The first one is how to connect with each other on the heart level. Hmm. And the second is how to connect with Jesus on the heart level. So most of my experience, especially as a Presbyterian pastor, was an awful lot about how to connect on the head level. And, and that's a good thing. I mean, it's not like I'm not going to do that, but there wasn't much of the heart. So, you know, I led a gazillion Bible studies, you know, uh, preached sermons, talks, all that kind of stuff. But what is it? How do you how do you connect on a heart level? How does that happen? And then how do you connect with Jesus on a heart level or be able to hear his voice? So those were the two things that that really were the core of what we're doing. And then the Lord began to give us some how to's to do those things. But it's not programs. I mean, it's sort of a program, but it sort of isn't. It's not a program in, in the traditional sense of the word. It really are the practices that get us connected relationally with each other, with Jesus. That's really what we're after. Everything else, the typical program stuff grows out of that. We often used to say, I remember one time I was talking to this guy in Baltimore. He was with some parachurch ministry. He was getting really excited about discipling ministry and house churches and all that. And he says, I've, I've developed this manual. And it was like three inches thick on how to do house church. And I said, um, our entire discipleship process can be stated in nine words. Here they are. Are you ready? You want to take notes on this? Nine <laughs> words. Listen, obey, and teach others to do the same. And then we learned, Lord modified that. It's not just listen and obey, but it's listen and receive. Sometimes he gives us instructions, but sometimes he just wants to tell us how proud he is of us or how much he loves us or whatever. So in a sense... That's the whole thing right there. Nine words. You know, and the radical piece to that for me is that it merges soul care and mission. Yes. Because in so many missional movements or church planting movements that I've been a part of, you have the the movement part, which is usually some program that they're following. And then that burns the missionaries out. And so then you have to have soul care as a side thing so that missionaries or, or church leaders can like get their soul cared for so that then they can go do that mission without burning themselves out or blowing their marriage up or whatever. And, um, and that always bothered me. It didn't feel like that was the way. Right. And so when I went through church 101 and learned about a church of two and practicing being this way every day to build these skills of, of connecting heart to heart with people and with God together, those are skills you learn. Right. And so this church 101 became this container to train so that we can be the church naturally, organically, everywhere we are with anyone that we're with. Um, but the church of two isn't natural. It really is an intentional practice uh, container that we use to practice and um, to grow those skills. But um, and how beautiful that has been that soul care gets to be mission, <laughs> that Jesus is on mission, seeking and saving what's inside of me. <laughs> and then it just overflows from there as I care for that relationship with him and each other and our family. Um, beautiful, beautiful contribution to this relational revolution is that concept of a, uh, a crucible, so to speak, where you intentionally practice relational skills so that you can have healthy relationship. It's a, it's a, an incredible concept, really, right? If we're supposed to have a relationship with Jesus, 
then spirituality is all about relationship. And yet we've missed that heart to heart component for so long. So I'm bringing that back in. So what else? One of my favorite authors, Roland Allen, um, said that mission is the spontaneous overflow of joy. And how different from the sort of gospel of knowledge and duty. You know, people are going to hell every minute. We better get out there and we need to, you know, develop a plan and all the rest. What if it's a spontaneous overflow of joy? Can we trust that that actually is the case? And of course, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that that really is, is, is what's happening. Incredible. We're starting to ask another question there. No, I was just going to say, what else? What's another contribution that you feel like Luke 10 uniquely gives to this movement and to resource this? Yeah. Um, let me let me camp on this the CO2, the Church of Two, a little bit more. Um, I, I kind of think of myself as not being particularly smart. So I need things that are really <laughs> right. And you know, it's the it's the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. So simple things really appeal to me, but I think there's value in that. Because somebody said only simple things can multiply rapidly. Wow. So that concept of what if the, the smallest and most foundational expression of church is just two people. I mean, it could be three people or whatever, but a church of two. And then asking, what exactly does a church of two do? And we really came up with just a couple of rhythms, uh, rhythms of attention. Check in with each other, share our hearts, we listen to Jesus, we pray the 10 to be prayer. You know, what if it's that simple? And and so what I often say, we could see a, a revolution like this week, if that idea caught on with every Christian home in the country, they began to practice those simple rhythms. I mean, it would revolutionize the church, the country, the whole deal. Very simple. Thank you for listening to this episode of Joy Field and Jesus Led. Do you need a community where you can grow a secure relational attachment? Do you want to see sustainable transformation in your own life that spontaneously flows into the lives around you? Sign up for an intro call with Luke 10 today and begin your relational revolution. Thanks for listening.